Hey, 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 For Your Information is brought to you by Chewy's Gum, Gum the Locks, and Your Addictions. Ladies and gentlemen, live from coast to coast, we proudly present For Your Information with Zach and John. philosophy of a ruling class, especially since we rule. Welcome to For Your Information, a podcast about good movies, better cocktails, and best fucking friends. We are your hosts, Zach. And I'm John. Um, Zach, I'm really glad that somebody made a movie just about us hanging out outside of the shell. Dude, they they did it. They made a movie, and it was came out the year I was born. Nice. So, it's almost like uh, serendipity. It's almost like serendipity. Like, as soon as I found... Uh, t- before we go any further, uh, so this week we are covering Clerks from 1994. Uh, remember a couple of weeks ago when we did Singing in the Rain and I said, you know, like, there's a couple of movies that, like, constantly are fighting themselves for my number one film of all time. Th- this is one of the other ones that's up there. It Clerks is a very special movie to me, and it actually was what inspired me to go to film school. Interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah, and it's... I don't know. Like, it's... First of all, before I get into how I feel about it, let's talk about how you felt about it. Okay, uh, this was a new one for me. I haven't seen a lot of movies that fit this format. I haven't seen a Mm -hmm. lot of movies that look and feel this way. And I think it was good. It was fresh. Um, Considering it's, like, destitute, low budget, uh, I I think that they did a lot with a little. And it played off pretty well. I'm I'm not going to say that I'm a film nerd, but I do appreciate, like unconventional film and this is definitely an unconventional film worth appreciating yeah and that's that's what i've always loved about it is like because and there's it just had such a great story of how it got made and it's mostly because kevin smith never shuts the fuck up <laughs> um nice so uh if, for those of you that don't know uh this movie is pretty much just uh kevin smith's life he was the writer and director and uh actor of silent bob he has like 15 podcasts and on every single one of those podcasts he never shuts up about this movie so if you ever want to hear it straight from the horse's mouth i guarantee you you can find it <laughs> nice nice believe in yourself because you can't expect everyone else to do it for you the, and you know what i think he's actually said something along those lines kevin smith is like my hero so if if you're listening i don't think you are but just so you know not that i'm saying you won't shut up about it just i like hearing you talk anyway yeah you hear me kevin <laughs> you hear me hear me talking about you kevin <laughs> hi kevin do you want it to hurt me kevin <laughs> All right. Um, so that's that's pretty much the gist of it. Like th- this is one of my favorite movies. I feel like it truly represents guys like me and you, John. Like we are assholes that have a heart and mean well. I am glad that you think so highly of me. <laughs> I don't think either one of us is as lazy as the characters in this movie, but you know, it is what it is. That's true. As far as our relationship goes, I definitely think you're Dante, and I definitely think I'm Randall, for sure. I think that this movie is, like, the picture-perfect replication of our lives between, like, 2015 and 2016. It it is, and it's it really is just about being 26, having no direction in your life, and just the debauchery that usually comes with that because you get bored at some point yeah yeah like because i guess my your convenience store would have been you know the music store that you worked at and my (laughs) rst video would have been pizza hut 
Ah, uh, yes, the Hut. Hut Life. Hut Life. Uh, not officially sponsored. Right, I, not yet. I, I, I learned that I have to say that. <laughs> you know, I actually ate some Pizza Hut yesterday and this morning. I Did ate, you? like, a whole pizza over, like, a 12-hour period. It was disgusting. I hate when I do that, but it, it I do it every time. I do it every single time, and I hate myself every time. Have you ever... Did you eat it by yourself, too? No, I didn't, but... Okay, so there were two pizzas, and there were three people, and I'm pretty sure I ate one of the pizzas entirely myself. Yep, I, I know how that feels. Either that or damn near. Like, I, I, I made some serious progress on that, Zog. The, the worst part is uh, me and my fiancé, like, have completely different tastes in pizza. So, like, she gets one very specific kind of pizza, and I get another. Mm. And so, when mine is all gone, I know for a fact that I ate all of it. And I can't even be like, oh, no, she ate some of that. Nah, nah. <laughs> However, ownership is a big step in the right direction. You have to own up to it and realize what you've done. Right. It's like, this pizza is probably at... At bare minimum, 2,800 calories. And I ate the whole thing in like a 12-hour period. Hell yeah, dude. You only live once, may as well shorten it up to concentrate it. Make it worth your while. Die young, leave a pretty corpse. Exactly. Like, who wants to eat leaves all their lives for the, like, for the hope of having like four extra years of eat at the end of it? Like, it's... It's stupid. Anyway, you, you live your life how you want to. <laughs> oh, and speaking of living our lives anyway, we want to. We choose to round out the time that we're not killing ourselves over pizza by killing ourselves with alcohol. And ah. uh, John, every week, likes to make a cocktail or tell me about some sort of alcohol thing that I don't know about. So go ahead, John. What is you it know, this week? You talk up the drinking game like we're slowly destroying ourselves and we very well may be doing that but i i think that people think we're way more rad than we actually are i i don't know if anyone thinks we're rad but if you do i appreciate it and uh my mental health could really use it so you know get in those facebook comments get on that twitter you know let us know how rad you think we are yeah it, it really does help <laughs> know that if your aspiration is to be a hopeless alcoholic uh we're not really good role models because we have hope and i don't think i'm an alcoholic no i don't we joke a lot we joke a whole whole lot and neither one of us are alcoholics right so just to clear the air however uh having said that i do have a cocktail for you let's do it all right cool so in this movie they don't really have any references to alcohol and even though they work in like a corner convenience store type thing i don't really see anybody buying beer i don't see anybody buying anything like that the only thing that they talk about drinking is Gatorade. And if you were thinking that I was going to make a Gatorade cocktail, you would be wrong because I've tried it. It doesn't work. Don't do it. I mean, I've seen a lot of people mix like blue Gatorade and like some sort of vodka. Desperation. That, that it, is desperation. Is it Just desperation? drink the vodka and then drink the Gatorade. It's much better. <laughs> it's harder to sneak it into the movie theater, though. <sighs> it, bringing in outside drinks. Okay, if you're going to do <laughs> Get the mini bottles. And put them in your pocket. I mean, that's what we all do. Anyway, this is not even close. Okay, so this cocktail is called the number 37. Ooh, 37? 37! Yeah, so you have 37 of these, it's going to be a real bad time. You'll probably die, honestly. But So don't do that. Uh, please drink responsibly. Here's how you make it. So it's going to be an ounce of lime juice, 
two ounces of raspberry vodka, three ounces of cranberry juice cocktail, and topped with lemon-lime soda. So, considering there's not really anything in the movie to base this off of, I just wanted to talk a little bit about mixed drinks, because I think in this particular setting, mixed drinks would be something they'd be drinking there. It's, that's the vibe I get off of this movie. Am I wrong in that assumption, Zach? I, I, I would say so. Th this is not a uh, Budweiser after the end of a hard day kind of, kind of vibe. This is like a, please just something sweet in my life happen for five seconds. Yes, exactly. Now, uh, many times, you know, you get a bottle or you pick it up at the liquor store or whatever and you're headed over to the party or headed, you know, wherever you're going to drink this thing and you're like, oh shit, I gotta get a mixer. And then you go into the convenience store. You go into the corner store and you're like, man, what am I gonna get? Because there's so much stuff. So why don't we talk about that for a little bit? Why don't we talk about how you can have a surefire way to make a basic mixed drink at home for yourself on your own time because honestly it's a good skill to have if you can mix a drink well you'll always have a better time drinking it now the difference between mixed drinks and cocktails there's not really one uh cocktails just like a fancy term mixed drink is like usually used to talk about like simpler cocktails and it's really interchangeable although if you were ordering a mai tai and you were like, oh yeah, you got my mixed drink? People would be like, what? What are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> oh, continue. Sorry, I, I thought I had something to say and I do not. <laughs> nice. Okay, anyway, so cup, ice, two ounces of liquor, seven ounces of mixer. That's most people's go-to. That's going to give you a nine-ounce drink. You put the ice in the cup. It fills up a 12-ounce cup because of the ice, and you're good to go. It's, it's pretty simple. It's not too strong. It's not too weak. You're still going to have a good time if that's what you're trying to do with it. Um, if you wanted to go a little more in-depth, then you can start adding stuff like lime juice. Now you're talking about actual cocktails. What a lot of people do is they'll just put a lime wedge on top. So we'll take like basic stuff like a rum and coke, uh, now known as the Lemmy, right? Mm -hmm. That's a one-to-four ratio generally. So that's like two ounces of Jack Daniels and eight ounces of Coca-Cola, right? I prefer seven i think seven's a better mix ratio just so that you're still getting the effect of the spirit if you're just trying to not taste alcohol at all well probably shouldn't be drinking jack daniels right because jack daniels has a very distinct and like overpowering taste it's almost like if you wanted to if you said you didn't like black licorice but you wanted to eat black licorice anyway so you covered it in chocolate exactly. the, cho the chocolate is going to help but it is in no way going to cover the black licorice taste Exactly. Yeah, there's just no point to it. I mean, for other drinks, like uh, juice-based cocktails or really simple ones, uh, like uh, the Cape Cotter. Okay, so you're going to take like your cranberry juice cocktail, just like you use for the number 37, and some vodka, mix together, there you go. You get the Tequila Sunrise, which is a little fancier, but it's fundamentally just tequila and orange juice with some grenadine added. Screwdriver, orange juice, vodka, there you go. Like, these the simple drinks, even oh. like the better known ones like gin and tonic, that's a basic mixed drink cocktail. Like, that's there's really only two ingredients. A lot of people don't even put lime juice into it they just garnish it with lime so you can put it in there at your discretion right 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 and this it's not even so mixed drinks and cocktails are not the same thing i personally use the term mixed drink to refer to like a low ball drink so that's like one right. mixer one liquor garnish that's it that's what most people would think of as a mixed drink but truly there is not a difference between the two like in any meaningful technical sense okay so like a cocktail is like it's it's like the difference between an a and a b uh Kinda, yeah, sure, something like that. I don't know, why not? <laughs> okay, it's, I just wanted to make sure I completely understood. I thought this was like an official thing. I honestly, for the longest time, thought that it was. Turns out it's not really like that, and it makes sense. So really what you're talking about is a low-ball cocktail. That's a mixed drink, quote-unquote. You get liquor, you get a mixer, you put them together, real simple, drink it down. It's meant to be a vessel to drink liquor. For those of you that don't just drink liquor. You should right. just drink the liquor. There are certain liquors that I will not drink neat because I don't see a point. 
like vodka. I feel like vodka is definitely like a vodka is a friend I'll invite with another liquor. Like vodka is not ever going. I'm not gonna hang out with vodka alone. Yeah, that's kind of a dark days thing. Like yeah, you, you don't want to do that. Yeah, like I will hang out with vodka if like triple sec is coming. Mm. But I will not, and I'll hang out with triple sec alone. No, I won't. <laughs> yeah, sec, no, you, nobody you, does you that. You, you can't. So this is truly like a. It's either all of them or none of them. Yeah, exactly. It's. I think for the case of vodka, it's designed to be a neutral grain spirit. It doesn't have any flavor. It doesn't have any odors. Like it's. It's supposed to be used this way generally. That that you shoot it or you put it in a mixed drink. Some people, like in Eastern Europe, it's actually kind of popular to drink vodka neat. It's just a vodka drinking culture, I guess. I don't know. I don't really see a point in that. And I frankly. Here we go. I'm gonna get it on a soapbox again. You don't really need to have a really nice vodka. Like, it's not gonna be super different. Like, the payoff is not... That, like, diminishing returns with vodka. It, it happens at a very low price point. Right, right, right. It's... If you're drinking straight vodka, might I suggest just drinking straight grain alcohol? Sure. Just buy it and cut it with distilled water, and there you go. It's vodka. That's yeah, it's, all it is. Maybe, maybe eat a raw potato while you... Mmm, delicious. Now we're getting back into that Eastern European thing. <laughs> Come over to Yik Sacks Potato and Vodka Bar. All, all you can eat potatoes and all you can drink vodka. You can mash, people. you can mash the potato into vodka. I do not care. <laughs> I just, I, I let let's let's move on. Okay. <laughs> all right, we're moving on up. We're moving on out. Over to the east side. Um, speaking of east side, let's get our good friend our current king current raccoon fight champion of the world frank synopsis into the studio welcome hey frank. hey hey you thought that i was not gonna be here again i i, I didn't think you were gonna be here frank i mean like honestly we told you to be here at nine it is now nine thirty. we have stalled long enough what what took you so long well, the loaf giveth and the loaf taketh away. I no longer have a ride. Oh, okay, so you're back to the bus. Oh, yes. Uh, bus fare rich was not to last. Oh, uh, well, I mean, at least, I mean, hey, a penny saved is a penny earned. You had one week of a ride, but what happened to loaf? We don't talk about loaf. Okay, oh, oh, oh shit. Don't, it, Frank, if you're gonna cry, don't cry on the microphone. That's expensive. Okay. Okay, all right, we, we won't mention it ever, ever, ever again, but did, did you have a chance to watch Clerks? Oh, of course. It's actually autobiographical. Oh, okay autobiographical of yourself oh yeah sure why not <laughs> are, are you friends with kevin smith i know a kevin oh okay no i don't know kevin smith. you don't know kevin smith but you feel like this movie like is very true to you uh, of is there course. is there is there a particular character you feel attached to the ball the ball yeah the one they launch off the roof oh okay so you feel like a ball launched off a i feel i feel you frank some days you're the ball some days you're the roof i i truly don't know what that means. Um, why don't you go ahead and give us a synopsis then, buddy? Through a series of vignettes, we see a day in the life of Dante Hicks, a 20-something burnout working at a convenience store. Despite being his day off, he's roped into opening and closing the store himself. Dante shoots Velocity with his best friend and horrible co-worker Randall Graves. They fight about ex-girlfriends, Star Wars, and play hockey on the roof of the store. Just another day in Leonardo, New Jersey. Beautiful. Thank you very much, Frank. Um, tell you what, to, just to make the loss a little less hurtful, uh, we will give you $5 for bus fare today. How does that I sound? I am bus fare rich for the second time in a week. All right, don't get used to it. <laughs> See you later, Frank. All right, John, have you returned? 
Are we yeah, are I we just, ready to get into this? I know you, earlier we were talking about your potato bar idea. I mean, was this something that you were planning on doing ahead of time, or are these potatoes with the holes cut out of them just like a shot glass idea you had? Um, I never put holes inside of potatoes. Are, are they like, are, is it like hot dog style or like burrow style, like from end to end? It kind of looks like it was done indiscriminately by like a like a distressed man with like some kind of tube. <sighs> I think Frank has resorted to fucking potatoes. That's what that sounds oh, like. Oh, right. Uh, that's not what I was expecting to have happen today. I, All right. I, we, we never know what to do when Frank is here. Um, <laughs> we really, really need to consider his employment. Um, anyway, so John, as we do every week, before we get into the nitty gritty, before we get into the pre-production and the releases and I nerd out about all the Blu-ray extra features that are included on these movies, we gotta know the basic info, the basic bitch info, and that's when we turn to our good friend Wikipedia. Ah uh, yes, Wikipedia, far more reliable and more cheap than Frank Synopsis. Exactly, like I, Wikipedia only asks $5 from me a year and I will gladly give it every time. Mm -hmm. If you don't donate to Wikipedia and you use it, Fuck you, donate. <laughs> that, is, that, that is sponsored. They don't sponsor us, but they can. Right. Please sponsor us, Wikipedia. <laughs> I love you, Wikipedia. Your cursory information just helps me so much. It's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. It just... The internet is beautiful. I love this place. Anyway... All right, so Clerks was released on October 19th, 1994. It was directed by Kevin Smith, written by Kevin Smith, uh, produced by Scott Mosier, uh, who recently directed the uh, Grinch remake. The, uh, mm. the the 3D one, the, not, the one with Benedict Cumberpatch, not the Jim oh, Carrey one. the live one. action one with Jim Carrey? Not yeah, that not, one? not that one. Oh, God, was there uh, Taylor Momsen as well? Yes. Yeah, she worships Satan. No. Oh, fun fact. Nice. Yeah, it's it's. Fun. I'm pretty sure she does. Maybe I'm just getting my my wires crossed here. She's into some stuff. It's very different than what you might have expected <laughs> from watching uh, the Grinch. But to be fair, she was like how old? Like maybe nine, ten years old. Yeah, I guess people are allowed to change. People are always allowed to change. For we usually like for the better, but if you change for the worse, that's on you. Uh, as long as you're not hurting anybody else, that's fine. Hey, that is one of the main tenets from the Church of Satan. Exactly. Just don't hurt anyone else. Do whatever you want. Anyway, all right. So it was also produced by Kevin Smith, if you couldn't have guessed that. Right. Uh, the cinematography was done by David Klein, uh, who's also the director of cinematography on True Blood and Homeland, which are two HBO shows I've never watched. Nice. <laughs> and this movie stars Brian O'Halloran as Dante Hicks, Jeff Anderson as Randall Graves, Marilyn Giolatti as Veronica Lauren, Lisa Spooner as Caitlin Bree, Jason Mewes as Jay, and of course, Kevin Smith as Silent Bob. Silent Bob uh, did not live up to the title. He does speak. He does speak, but it's kind of like uh, any other character that doesn't speak, but then says something, you know, profound, you know, mm. at some point in the movie. Kind of like uh, Ferb from Phineas and Ferb. Ah, just like that. Like a large, hairy fur. Just, <laughs> it, it, I don't know why, but I just imagined like a giant Furby when you said that, and now I'm scared. Furb? It's just like, it's like the burbs. Just like the burbs. Have you seen that movie? No. No, I haven't. Oh, God, we gotta get on that. I just saw that movie, too. Like, a buddy at work was like, how have you never seen this? And he brought me the Blu-ray the next day. As a matter of fact, ah. he threw it at me and was like, watch it. Nice. And don't, and don't fuck up my copy. And I was like, okay. I, I'm glad that you can have this same dichotomy that we have with other people. That, that oh, there are yeah. movies that you two have not seen and people are upset about. 
people do get upset when you haven't seen certain movies but the burbs i feel like was excusable because i was not born in 1987 anyway um (laughs) to finish up the wikipedia info the production company is a view askew productions which is kevin smith's production company can we talk about their thing their like tag that they have at the beginning oh yeah (laughs) what is that what is going on there? That is uh, Vulgar the Clown. Vulgar the Clown. Yes, he has his own movie. We'll talk about it. <laughs> I am interested. You are not. <laughs> it's um, it's one of those it's one of those movies where I'm like, eh, we could have done without this, but it it's also it, it also referenced something like it's it references a lot of parts of film history that I'm not interested in. Hmm. So it's it's really just like a whatever thing. Anyway, we, we can talk about that later. Vulgar is weird. Uh, it was actually directed by Brian Johnson, not Kevin Smith. Hmm. Brian Johnson is, uh, if you've ever watched the show Comic Book Men, he is the bigger guy. Now, well, he's not bigger anymore, but like he has the beard and he's always being a wise ass. It's that guy. He directed that. Nice. Um, and wrote it, I believe. And uh, Brian O'Halloran, who plays Dante in this, plays Vulgar the Clown. I'm getting way too much into this right now. Um, speaking of clowns and being vulgar, uh, this was distributed by Miramax Pictures. Oh, okay. I see where we're going with this. I, I know enough about Miramax to know what you're going to say. Yeah, um, I, I will warn you again when we get to it, but there, there are some people involved in the making of this movie that we'd rather not talk about, so we will say what they did and move on quickly, I promise, because I really don't want to talk about Harvey Weinstein any longer than I have to. Right. Right, right, right. Okay, so the original budget for this film was $27,575. That was all out of Kevin Smith's pocket. And then uh, the post-production that Miramax did on it was $230,000. Oh, nice. Okay, that's uh, a little bit more. Yeah, that's a little bit more. And uh, the box office return was $3.2 million. You know what? Not bad. That's a good return on investment. That, I mean, dude, for less than $300,000 and you turn that into $3.2 million, you literally just triple. Or, no, that's like 10 times what you put into. Yeah. And if I remember correctly, I couldn't find this specific citation for this, so I left it out, but I'll just say it anyway. I think that $230,000 for post-production also included reimbursing Kevin for what he'd put in. Interesting. Okay, so it was pure profit after that. Yeah, exactly. So, like, I mean, like, as far as I'm concerned, it's a fucking steal. It is a big success, it seems. Yeah, it's it was a huge success, and it's actually kind of weird how successful it was, but we will get there. This movie, like I said before, this movie has a big-ass story to it, and I'm going to just give you a summary and give you the best parts of the story so that you get a better understanding of how this movie came. Okay. Because, honestly, I could prob- this is another one I could do two episodes on. And I'm not going to do that to you, John, and I'm not going to do that to the audience. So nice. let's let's get right into it. <clears throat> so before the before the pre-production of this movie started, uh, Kevin Smith was very much like Dante. Uh, he worked at the Real Life Quick Stop and RST Video. So those are actually two real places in New Jersey. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. And so he was working there, and like he had this buddy of his that took him to New York City to go see uh, Richard Linkletter's Slacker, which, if you haven't seen that movie, it's also very good. It's very similar to Clark's. It's also told through vignettes, and it's uh, like multiple characters, and it never really like goes anywhere, per se. So it's a little bit like a uh, like a dazed and confused type situation. Right, right, right. And uh, that's actually one of Richard Linklater's other films. Aha! Uh-huh. See, I know things, or I at least got really lucky. 
You got really lucky. You you shot the dice on that one, and I was like, that is very odd that you would say that. Yeah. Because that is also... See? I'm moving on up in the world. <laughs> moving on up. Anyway, um, that was loud. I'm so sorry. Anyway. <laughs> so after seeing this film, like he, it really lit a fire under his ass, and he really wanted to make movies. So he um, then started working double shifts at the Quick Stop and the RST Video to save up enough money to go to Vancouver Film School, where he met Scott Mosier and they quickly became friends. Um, Kevin then dropped out halfway between his semesters to take the rest of the tuition money that he'd saved up to uh, make his first film. Oh, nice. So uh, he didn't stick with it. No, 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 no. He did not stick with it. Scott did, however. Ah. But they had a deal, so Scott said that whoever finished their script first and whoever got the funding first, the other would... So basically, if Kevin finished his script and got the funding first, Scott would come out and help him with his film. If Scott did the same, Kevin would come out and help him. Ah. And Kevin just so happened to finish his first, and Scott came down to produce Clerks. Nice, nice. And uh, when we say secured funding, uh, Kevin actually did not have a lot of money for this Shocker. film. So he actually signed up for four different credit cards and that's how he paid for the film. That is a risky proposition. <laughs> that is not financially sound uh, budgeting. <laughs> that is, um, yeah. Uh, nowadays, if you got four credit cards in the same day, that would be a big old red flag. Yeah, especially this... if you maxed them all out to make a movie. Right, like, you couldn't even get a bank to give you $27,000 to make a movie, and you have never made a movie before. Yeah. It's oof, big oof. I mean, it, it was a gamble, and it definitely worked out for him, for sure, but... Not advisable oof. for all you aspiring film artists at home. No, and uh, as a matter of fact, when I was uh, 19 and in film school, I was like, I'm just gonna do that, and then uh, uh, thankfully I had people in my life to tell me, like, that is a horrible idea. And then my mother was also like, D don't you already have a max out credit card? And then I was like, shut up, mom. Ah. <laughs> and then I was like, will you give me money for a movie? And she said, fuck no. So, well, she didn't say fuck no. My mother is a very Christian woman, but she said the Christian equivalent of fuck no. Nice. <laughs> Anyway. All right, so now we're into pre-production. So Smith and Scott held an open casting call for clerks at a local theater in Red Bank, New Jersey. Ah, uh, yes. New Jersey. New Jersey, which is where this movie takes place and all Viewisk Universe films. Mm. Um, well, most of, them, most of them take place in New Jersey, or at least start in New Jersey. Ah, and as do trauma films. Yes, um, a lot of people, like, want to put them together. Like, they're similar. And you know, not. speaking of, I recently attempted to watch the last horror film. It's actually way better than all the other trauma films. Really? It's kind of worth the watch. It's weird, but it's not that weird. Okay, so is it not as weird as, like, Toxic Avenger, or is it just as accessible as Toxic Avenger? Oh, th this is way more refined. This is, like, an actual legitimate attempt at a movie. That is awesome. Uh, also, while we're majorly off-topping and talking about trauma, which we always end up doing somehow, someday. Um, remember when I was telling you last week about the uh, the, the Shudder series, uh, Cursed Films? Yeah. Um, Lloyd Kaufman is actually a um, talking head on that in one episode about Twilight Zone, the movie, and they actually show uh, them filming some sort of trauma production. I'm not sure what movie it was, but apparently Lloyd Kaufman is super duper into safety on set. I believe it. He can't afford to pay anybody that gets injured. 
Well, and that's what he he says. Like, not only can I not afford to pay someone who gets injured, he said I couldn't live with myself if someone hurt themselves because of a movie. Because at the end of the day, a movie's a movie, but I don't want to fuck with anyone's life. And I was like, big ass respect to Lloyd Kaufman. You know what? On the other side of this coin, we have Tom Cruise, who's about to go film a movie in space because he does all his own stunts. D- I. <sighs> You know what? Look, if that's all it takes, listen, Elon Musk, if you're listening to this, I know you're not. Yeah, but you're, you you're not. But if you are, I will personally babysit your Terminator-ass son. Wipe his ass until the day he dies. Not just my life. I will literally prolong my own life to take care of this kid if you just give me two tickets on SpaceX to whatever fucking planet isn't this one. If that's I, I all that- it takes... If that's all it takes to get on there, like, to take me. I'm into it. You know what? Yeah. Let, let me be Tom. The man's like 60 years old. Tom Hanks is not 60 years old. Oh, Tom, Tom Hanks- Cruise. Not Tom Hanks. Different Tom. Oh, Tom Cruise. I, I actually got fucked up there. Tom Cruise is definitely not 60 years old. Tom Hanks is might actually be 60. I don't know. Dude, I think Tom Cruise is at least 60 years old. Tom Cruise is not 60 years old. He was 20 in the 80s, dude. Yeah, do you know what decade we're in? Dude, okay, hold on. Tom Cruise cannot be... I- I'm sorry I'm doing this live on air. It's worth it because... Oh, shit! Tom Cruise is 57 years old? I told you, dude. He's like, yeah. He's oh, about God. to get like a senior discount at Denny's. He already does. He can have a... He can have a uh, AARP card. God, time happens so much, dude. That's going to be us one day. Yeah, man. Except we're not going to go make movies in space, probably. No, probably not. We're going to do a podcast in space. <laughs> I don't I don't know if anyone would be impressed with that at all. No, probably not. <laughs> Just be like, hey, I kept the mic from bumping into the wall in zero gravity. <laughs> Yikes. Um, speaking of podcasts in space, though, um, to be further off topic and to give you guys another recommend, if you have not checked out The Midnight Gospel on Netflix, it is worth your time. I'll keep that in mind. It, it is. The, if you have the time, dude, it's worth your time. It's great. It is pretty much a podcast with trippy space visuals in the back nice it's like fully coolie except it's not anime and not for people on acid correct all right speaking of people who are in anime on acid actually not speaking of that we're not speaking about any of that we're talking about clerks let's get nice. back to that um all right so they held an open casting call in red bank new jersey this is where they found brian o'halloran and immediately offered him the role of dante uh match made in new jersey heaven which exactly. is the truck stop on your way to actual heaven I, I, if you have to stop through New Jersey to get to heaven, I'm actually going to be kind of upset. But it would make sense, given Dude, some of Kevin's Travel other Plaza movies. truck stops also have gas station attendants in New Jersey? Yes, you are not allowed to pump your own gas in New Jersey. What if you are an off-duty gas pumper? It doesn't work like that. That's not the re- it, it's stupid. So it, like it's, a, if- it's an old law, and they just have way too many people doing it where they can't justify ending that law because it would put so many people out of jobs. You know what? The economy's, like, butt-fucked right now. Well, I, why can't we just do it now? Because I don't know. I couldn't tell you. I'm sure those guys are still out there doing it. <laughs> anyway, um, so Kevin Smith was actually going to play the role of Randall originally, but once he read his own script, didn't want to memorize all the lines that he had written, so he took the role of Silent Bob and gave the role of Randall to Jeff Anderson, who originally auditioned for the role of Jay. Nice. If you followed all of that, good job. Good on you. It was um, a lot. It was a lot. But it's it, that that's exactly how that went down. They literally just traded spots. Um, Jay is actually based on Kevin Smith's real-life friend and future frequent collaborator, Jason Mewes. Uh, Mewes didn't want to do the movie because he was uh, doing good. He was uh, working with a roofing contractor 
And, like, so he was like, I don't want to be in a movie. But Kevin convinced him by saying, this is fucking you. I, I wrote this character, and he is you. You're going to play him. You get to play yourself in the movie, just like uh, Frank Synopsis got to play himself in Singing in the Rain. Exactly, exactly. And so, he, I guess he convinced him, because he is definitely in the movie. Um, and Kevin was actually able to convince the owners of the real-life Quick Stop and RST video that he to let him shoot the film at night, after the store closed. Huh. Well, I guess it kind of works out that the shutters were stuck closed then, wasn't it? Exactly. That was actually a thing that happened that day, so they had to write it into the script. Nice. Um, and this this particular agreement actually caused Kevin to open and close the store, shoot the movie at night, causing him to only get one hour of sleep a night for the entirety of the shoot. Wow. So this is basically Zack and Mary make a porno. Yeah. In real life. Pretty much. That's actually another Kevin Smith film. You knew that though, right? No, I didn't know that either. I am on a fucking roll. You are on a fucking roll. You are just like, the synopsis in your brain are just like clicking today. Oh That, yeah. that or I'm just like really getting you into movies now. I'm so proud. <laughs> I like them. They're fine. They're f I hate you so fucking much. You can't say you love anything. <laughs> <laughs> movies are pretty good in general. On the whole, I think movies are fine. <laughs> movies are pretty cool. Like, you're the kind of guy that, like, only says I love you, like, in, like, fucked up situations. <laughs> like, you're, you're like the boyfriend in, like, a movie, like, where a girl is the protagonist, and, like, she's just trying to get this guy to notice her, and he only says he loves her when they're, like, about to die. You're that guy. In real I, life. <laughs> I think that this opinion is justified by the fact that we live in a world where Casablanca and Singing in the Rain exist, and we also live in a world where poultry geists exist. I, you know what, I completely understand what you're, what you're saying here. So, on the whole, they're pretty good. They're pretty If If you're taking every movie that's ever been made into consideration, I yeah. guess so. You got Most Cop of... and Joe, you got the stuff, you have, um... Legally Blonde, you have Cannibal Holocaust, you have um, Lord of the Rings. It's quite a lineup. Yeah, movies and, on the whole, it's quite a lineup. And, like, I, I don't know if I've ever said this on the podcast, but most movies are just okay. Yeah. Like, yeah. like we usually end up, me and you usually end up talking about movies that are either all the way bad or all the way great. There are some movies that are just okay. Yeah, like Click. I, where that falls on that line is very much up to interpretation. But anyway, we must move on. Do you ever stop and think... About how the C and the L and click are close enough together to where you can squint your eyes and it just says dick. <laughs> Podcast over. We're done. And then you're already looking at the screen, the DVD menu, and you see Adam Sandler's face holding that thing up and it just says dick. Oh, God. I hate this. <laughs> I, I, I abominably hate this. Dick, period. Adam Sandler grit. <laughs> what a world. What a world we live in. That, that completely describes any Adam Sandler movie. All right. Okay. Let's move on. All right. Well, I think we stopped it. He got one hour of sleep a night. Yeah, yeah. He got one hour of sleep a night. Whatever. Same thing. Same here. Big deal. All right. Let's All right. move on to the let's move on to the section I've entitled "Shooting Clerks." Nice. Uh, not to be confused with the action that results in uh, lots of jail time. Yes. Um, it, "Shooting Clerks" is also the name of a autobiography or not autobiography. It's about a biopic about the making of this movie, uh, done by some Swedes. I have not watched it. Heard it was okay. Anyway. <laughs> 
So, Kevin Smith decides to shoot the film in black and white because the stock film was actually cheaper than color film. Like, it was significantly cheaper, so he went black and white. That is the only reason this movie's black and white. That's the only reason most things are the way they are, is because they're cheap. Exactly, like, believe it or not, like, they will, most people will blow smoke up your ass and be like, oh, it was an artistic choice. Kevin Smith will not. He'll be like, yeah, I'm fucking poor. Makes sense. <laughs> because back, in, back when they shot this movie, they shot this on film. There was no digital cameras back then right like now you you have a 4k camera in your fucking pocket that's this was not the case then right totally different world they lived in it was a pre 9-11 world pre 9-11 world where you had to fucking shoot stuff on actual film stock and it was expensive as shit um and then you also had to edit it on film stock which is a whole other story we'll, we'll talk about that at some point i'm very interested in the world of uh film projectors and like editing with like actual film strips it's very All interesting that analog stuff all that analog shit all right so the crew had set up at 10 30 at night after the store closed and the shoot lasted for 21 days so he got a grand total of 21 hours of sleep for three weeks that's what they say but like he also has admitted like later on like when they talk about it that he did sleep while they were filming things that he didn't need to be there for Mm -hmm. so he would like take little naps in between the days like he would like take a 15 minute break and go out to his car and take a nap i'd say i'd say the lots of sleep and the career that he got after this was probably worth it yeah you're probably right <laughs> he's probably all right so here's where jason muse enters the picture again uh he was initially camera shy and he actually hid behind the counter in the quick stop in between takes because he didn't want to be around all these other actors hmm because they thought he thought that they they would judge him for like never having acted before interesting yeah he was just, he was so fucking like nervous about it and then just the person he ends up being later in his life it's just insane that he would be this nervous about it it all starts somewhere they all you got you all got to start somewhere um many of smith's family and friends actually make appearances in the film uh, his mother grace smith is the lady searching for the latest expiration date on the milk okay uh, can we sidetrack for a second? I worked at a grocery store for like three months and I worked <laughs> in the dairy cooler. That is the most annoying thing that you could possibly do in a grocery <laughs> store. I, okay, so there's a rule, like I don't know if it's this way in all major chain grocery stores or if it's just this one, but if there's more than two milk dates in the cooler, you have to discount the milk that they get. So I, at one point, had a lady that came and she's like, oh yeah, I used to work in the store. I found a milk, I want my discount. I'm like, it's 11 cents go home why yeah. did you do this the time that it took you to dig through all these milk cartons was worth more than the 11 cents that you're going to get back on the one milk with a different day dude uh couponer like super couponers are a different breed like they live for just for like fucking over the store for like five seconds that's all they want they just <sighs> want they, they want to feel like they did something to piss someone off that's all they're trying to do no congrats you did it you could have come into the dairy cooler with a bucket of water and just soaked me and left and i would have been happier about that jesus christ oh man dude it, fuck you karens get get out of here karens go ahead and go to the retirement home and let them deal with you anyway <laughs> sorry i got on a tan um so the other person another familiar face that you might see is a walt flanagan who would later run jane silent bob's secret stash which is a comic book store in red bank new jersey and the basis for the show comic book man on amc um and he plays the egg man so the guy that like looks at the eggs and then starts smashing them against the window Ah, uh, yes, Dr. Robotnik. Yes, it's that guy. Yes, Dr. Robotnik. Dr. Robotnik. The infamous Eggman. Dude, I still have not seen the Jim Carrey Sonic the Hedgehog movie, but I kind of want to. I heard it was good. Um, 
God wanted that movie to die. He literally made a pandemic so it did not get a theatrical release. It did, did it was out in theaters for a little bit though, wasn't it? I if I know, so I know it was they, so limited that it could not have been good for them. I don't know. I all I know is that we bullied a movie studio into changing the way it's You know what? That's democracy. It is democracy. Because let's be let's be honest, that first render they started showing was fucking horrifying. <laughs> it was? I, <laughs> I don't t- t- listen uncanny valley in like animated movies or like you know animation with humanoid characters is always already weird enough please do not uncanny valley like cartoon characters and give them like human ass teeth that's not what anyone wants i does sonic have a dentist no i i don't want to play that game but i have to f- i have to say it sounds better than the last five sonic games that have come out i but we have to move on <laughs> we have to move on we can talk about this later um so dante's beard changes lengths from the beginning of the from the beginning of the film to the end like after they'd shot a lot of the film already he actually asked him to shave some of his beard off hmm. but didn't like it so asked him to grow it back so that's why like it kind of like changes lengths at times and, like, at the beginning of the film, you can see it's kind of wispy. Mm-hmm. And it's not completely there like it is in the rest of the film. That's why. Interesting. Yeah, so that that's, like, an inconsistency that people have found throughout the years. And it's pretty minor, considering how low-budget this film is. Um, and the other interesting thing uh, that I found... I actually didn't know this. I found this in my research for this film. Uh, Jeff Anderson was actually uncomfortable reading the porno list in front of the little girl and her mother. You know what scene I'm talking about, right? Yeah, I, I do. Yeah. The scrappy happy puppy, whatever it is. Um, yeah. So he actually shot that um, ju- just by himself and asked Kevin to shorten the list because he was like, my mother is going to see this and I really don't want her to hear me saying these things. Nice. And so Kevin took the list, added three more, and then handed it back to me. Cool, <laughs> and- but effective cruel but effective yes jeff anderson and kevin smith have a very uh strange and sometimes strained relationship anyway um they (laughs) so he filmed that and then the way that they got the mother and the little girl's reactions was by scott Mosier reading (laughs) the list to them anyway wow okay so he just didn't have to be the guy that did it that was was all it was they still did it they still did it like they still got the genuine reactions it's just jeff anderson did not do it himself which you know what honestly he had never been in a movie before i completely get why he wouldn't want to do that like that if that feels kind of grimy oh yeah sure i feel like this happened recently with something else there was another movie where they were like oh i can't do oh yeah it was uh in uh, the the toxic avenger where he was pointing a shotgun at a baby yeah and someone quit like that second it's like i can't do this yeah but they got it on film they got got it on film before he left exactly and that's that's what's important (laughs) all right so that's enough about shooting the clerics let's talk about post-production uh smith and Mosier actually edited the film at the real life rst video uh they and after they got done with that they submitted the film to a film festival in New York City to a very little fanfare. And so they kind of just thought it was over. Hmm. However, about two weeks later, Kevin got a call from super du- super producer Bob Hawk. Now, oh. Bob Hawk is a big name in the early, like late 80s, early 90s. Like, this guy is a big fucking deal. And Kevin almost didn't take the call because he was like, yeah, 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 whatever. Like, he thought it was just somebody making fun of him. Uh-huh. Little did he know he was talking to Tony Hawk's dad. He is not Tony Hawk's dad, but that would be awesome. Um, But he actually explained he was at the screening and he loved the movie. And it just took him a little while to uh, find his number. 
it. Huh. All right. Cool. He had to go through the phone book because they had that back then. They, you had that back then. Now you can just Google anyone's name and you can probably find their phone number. Terrifying. Scary. Um, anyway. So uh, remember at the beginning of this podcast when I told you there's going to be some triggering names ahead? It's time for that, yes. It's time for those triggering names. Let's just get right through it. Just let's all be adults here. All right, so Bob Hawk took the film to Harvey Weinstein, who was initially lukewarm on the idea, but after, after you know, like, they just kept badgering him and badgering him and badgering about it, he eventually bought it, and he put some post-production fanfare on it, namely adding some licensed music and altering the original ending. More on that later. All right. Um, so they premiered this new version of Clerks at the Sundance Film Festival, where it won the Filmmakers Award. The Filmmakers Award. What, what exactly does one have to do to earn the Filmmakers Award? Uh, you have to be every yeah. You have to make a film. You have to be the maker of that film, and you have to uh, beat all the other films that are in that category. Like, is it fisticuffs or is this like gladiator style? This is like gladiator style. Like, uh. it they, they actually have to fight. Like, they take the film reels and like start choking each other with them. Oh, nice. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so after this, Clerks had a traditional wide release, and uh, but so, and it somehow managed to make three point two million dollars while never playing in fifty movie theaters at the same time. Nice. So like that's kind of like the wonder of this film. That's kind of like why it's a cult film. Like people kept saying like, hey, you got to see this movie. Hey, you got to see this movie. You got to see this movie. It's infectious. It's viral. It- it's vibration. Exactly. <laughs> In these trying times. Forgive the phrase. Um, it, it, so, yeah. And that's basically how this became a cult film. Like, you know, it, people who didn't get to see it in theaters then saw it on, you know, VHS. And it's just kind of been like a tradition ever since. Like, this is the kind of movie people pass down to like a younger brother or something. I see what you mean. It definitely feels like one of those movies. It definitely is. Um, so before we get into, like, you know, after release and all that kind of stuff, I think it's a pretty appropriate time to talk about the original ending to this film and the lost scene that never got filmed. Ah, the lost scene. Like the two hours of um, planes, trains, and automobiles that got cut and was never brought back. Right, but that was actually filmed. This was never filmed. Hmm. All right, so the original ending of this movie, if you didn't know, actually has, uh, after Randall throws the sign at Dante and tells him you're closed up, he starts, you know, counting the money and everything, and then you see a mysterious figure walk in, and Dante exclaims, we're closed, and then he looks up, and the guy has a gun pointed at him, and he shoots Dante right between the eyes. Wow, that's pretty fucking dark. Yeah, and it, well, Kevin has defended this ending by saying that he, he felt like it made good on the promise of like he's not even supposed to be here today i see what like you mean. he legitimately like if he had not been here today he would be alive and like the whole day was so benign and then this happens like it's supposed to be his day off i this, think this, this gives a lot more artistic license to it right it, it's kind of like say like i get what he's saying it's kind of like saying like he he didn't feel like being there that day was his destiny and so you know because someone else called out now he's dead i see you know what i can i can kind of get behind it. yeah i can get behind it too but if they had stuck with this original ending there would be no view of universe <laughs> like they, like th- this is such a downer ending and like that's also what it's playing on is like you know how they were talking about how empire strikes back has a downer ending oh uh, yeah how, it's the second act is. of the opera exactly and it's like that's how life is life is just a series of down endings and so it kind of makes good on that too so like the, the the original ending is like as a young artist as well i get what i get where he's going with it but i'm glad that they ended up cutting this ending mainly because we got the majesty that is clerks too <laughs> see the sequel it's an important fixture exactly like i th- we'll do Clerks 2 at some point if you're not already interested enough to watch it on your own. 
I am interested, but I want to give this content to the people. We'll get, we will do Clerks 2 at some point. Like, hopefully, maybe sometime in the near future, just because it's fun. Anyway, um, so we need to move on. <laughs> Always. <laughs> the lost scene was um, originally in the script, but was cut for budgetary reasons. Um, it details R Randall and Dante going to a wake of a former classmate and accidentally knocking the casket over. Later on, they actually ended up animating the scene in the style of Clerks, the animated series, and uh, re-put it back in, and it has been lovingly referred to as the fan cut. Interesting. Yes. So, and we'll get to that later, like what the, like the different cuts of this film. Okay. Okay. Because it's, it's not like necessarily like, it's not like Blade Runner where there's like the director's cut, the producer's cut, the actor's cut, the, the studio cut. The, 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 there are three and they all make sense and they all serve a different purpose. Right. Or like a game of Final Fantasy where there's like 8,000 different versions. Exactly. Like, you know, here's this one from this character's perspective and then this one from this character's perspective. Just fucking, we don't care. I mean, I'm sure somebody does, otherwise they wouldn't make these fucking things, but god damn it. On the whole, they're alright. I'm just so mad they made like five sequels to Final Fantasy XIII, but didn't have the time to make Kingdom Hearts three sooner. Fuck you. I, I, you know, uh, I can't get into it right now. We're not <laughs> doing this right now. Keep We're moving. Not Keep moving. Keep going. <laughs> Alright, so, sorry about this ahead of time, but there are a shit ton of releases for this movie. I am so sorry. Alright, so it was first released on VHS on May 23rd, 1995, with a Laserdisc version coming August 30th, 1995. Oh, hey, that's literally the day I was born. Oh, shit! Serendipity. I I'm such a horrible friend. I forgot about that. I mean, I didn't... I, I couldn't expect you to just know by looking at it and be like, Huh, yeah, that that's when John was born. Th that is that is so weird. So John, this this is this movie's your swan song. It was meant to be. Yeah, the laserdisc version of Clerks. <laughs> I, I'm going to have to buy it for you now. The, the, I guess I just ruined your birthday surprise. But hey, there you go. That, that's cool with me, man. Give me that <laughs> laserdisc copy of Clerks. <laughs> you will have to buy your own laserdisc player because I actually looked into that the other day. They are expensive as fuck. Of course you did. Uh, someone's got, okay. If we can have classic game console like retro reboot things, why can't we have a retro reboot laserdisc player? Dude, people people are into it. Like people do like owning like specifically like their favorite movies. They want to own it on every format possible. Mm -hmm. I own, I now own three copies of Clerks. Nice. So uh, let me guess, you got a VHS, you got a DVD, you got a Blu-ray. No, it's actually more pathetic than that. I'll get into it momentarily and you'll see why I have three versions of this. <laughs> All right, so a DVD version of the film was released on June 29th, 1999. Um, and then the first special edition of the film was released on September 7th, 2004 called Clerks X. So it was the 10th anniversary of Clerks. Nice. It is a three-disc set that includes both the unaltered original cut, um, the original ending intact, the Miramax cut, which is the one that we're all mostly familiar with, and the fan cut, which included the lost scene. This was considered the definitive edition of the film until the Blu-ray version was released on November 17th, 2009, and it includes all of the features from Clerk's X with one additional documentary and a new introduction by Kevin Smith. So... John, to answer your question, I owned the original DVD, the Clerks X DVD, and the Blu-ray. Oh, nice. Okay, so you have the three DVD set. I had the three DVD set, and I'll never get rid of it. 
What is your favorite version then? Um, my favorite version is the Miramax cut, for sure. Why is that? Because I think it's the purest version of the film. I think that, like, the, like Kevin's original version was a version that was made out of necessity. The Miramax cut feels like a, feels intention. Like, all the changes, like, it felt like they were supposed to be there. It's almost like watching the original unaltered version of Star Wars versus, like, the gold edition like, you know, where they, like, put some stuff in, and it's technically the way that George Lucas always wanted the film to be, but didn't have, you know, the money to do so. I'm not defending some of the things he's done over the years, but, you know, it, it's kind of like that. Right, like, uh, what is it? Uh, Jar Jar's Adventure. We are not talking about Jar Jar's Adventure. He's um, a Sith Lord, and you cannot convince me otherwise. I, I believe it. I've read the lore. I, I'm... I'm on board with the conspiracy, but it's not canonized, so I can't necessarily believe I am angry because Disney will not allow Jar Jar's adventure to exist. Disney Disney is slowly learning their lesson with what they've done with Star Wars, and I'm glad they're learning their lesson because they need stuff. Um, anyway, so let's talk a little bit about the legacy of this film. Um, so like I talked about a little bit before, uh, this actually, because of the success of this film, gave Kevin Smith the, um, pretty much the right to make as many movies he wanted with Miramax. Like, they were like, cool, we're gonna give you a small budget and you're gonna just blow it out of the water. And, uh, he's done that to varying degrees of success through the years. I wanna and know the deets. Okay, so the first movie that came after this one was uh mall rats and that did pretty okay at the box office did pretty bad um reception wise hmm. i personally don't think mall rats is that bad i like it it has a stan lee cameo nice yep and uh and then after that was chasing amy which got mediocre returns but great critical response there's that it's actually the only kevin smith film in the criterion collection which i think will actually change i think they i think criterion might pick up clerks at some point Mainly just because of something else I'm going to tell you later. Okay. Um, and then after that was a Dogma, which has Alan Rickman in it. Uh, Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. And then uh, that was supposed to be the end of the Viewers Universe, but then they came back and did Clerks 2. And then they said that was the end of the Viewers Universe. And then they came back and did a Jay and Silent Bob reboot. So what is this Askewniverse that you're talking the about? Askewniverse mainly refers to... Um, all of these films take place in the same universe in New Jersey. Mm. So, like, all of the characters, like, you know, Jane and Silent Bob are pretty much a through line through all the movies. They are in every single one. Interesting. Okay, so, uh, in the Jersey-verse, we're gonna call it, um, mm -hmm. are Jane and Silent Bob always played by the same actors, or do they yes. have a rotating cast? No, Jay and Silent Bob are always played by Jason Mewes and Kevin Smith. So if they were to hypothetically make a new movie in the Skewniverse, uh, they would just be aging. Yes, they're just aging. Okay, so they take place in the year that they are released then. Like, they're all yes. contemporary. They don't all take place in the 90s. No, they are all contemporary. Like, they, they all take place in whatever year they take place in. Like, um, specifically, uh, Jay and Silent Bob reboot, like... They, they had smartphones and shit, which makes no sense, because I think, theoretically, they're homeless. Uh, yeah, sure. About as homeless as you can be, you know, when you have <laughs> parties and drugs to go to. Exactly. Like, they never really say if they're homeless or not, but it is pretty much implied that they are homeless. Hmm. Um, but anyway, so, like, in other characters, like, uh, we'll have relatives of other characters in other films so like for example uh one of dante's cousins shows up in 
mall rats, but he's also played by Brian O'Halloran. Mm. And also there's some really confusing shit where um Jason Biggs and um some other guy who played my, who played uh Earl in my name is Earl. I always oh, forget you, that guy's name. You're asking the wrong guy. Okay, anyway, that guy, like they play they both play two different characters in the View universe and it's kinda hard to tell them apart. <laughs> That's racist. I'm gonna need you to take it back. Well no 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 it's I, I can tell those two guys apart, but they also play like two to three different characters within the view universe so whenever they're on screen you're actually not sure who they are you're on thin ice right now <laughs> you justified your thinly veiled racism for now <laughs> i they are both white people and i am white anyway uh, all right so speaking of all that clerks actually has a couple of direct sequels despite you know the fact that it takes place in a universe of films that technically are all connected uh the the in order, these are how this this is how this goes. Okay, so Clerks the Animated Series takes place directly after it, and it aired for six episodes in 2000 on ABC. Um, it's actually pretty good. If you have the time, check that out. Not a very long running series. <clears throat> no, but it's 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 all about quality over quantity, baby. At least there's that. <laughs> exactly. Alright, so uh The Flying Car is a short film that stars Randall and Dante, and that came out in 2001. Uh Clerks 2 came out in 2006 uh that was a wide release that was actually one of the bigger movies in kevin smith's career um that is the one that most people uh have seen is clerks 2 most people have not seen clerks 1 hmm. so whenever they talk about jay and silent bob they're either talking about when they saw them in jay and silent bob strike back or in clerks 2 so most people are not referring to clerks 1 when they're talking about jay and silent bob not necessarily what i'm saying but like the, the characters of jay and silent bob like kind of evolved after clerks because they're kind of just side characters in yeah clerks. That, that's fair yeah so like the, the the characters evolved over time to become something bigger than they are and like to the point where now they have two of their own movies nice <laughs> and um of course the long-awaited clerks three will be coming out at some point <laughs> right coming eventually now here, here's a follow-on question for you so you know how like there's mario and luigi and they're called the mario brothers so hypothetically that then makes mario 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 and luigi luigi mario yes is this like that where it's jay bob and silent bob so no. they're jay and silent bob no they are not related okay but the names don't carry over then no, the names don't carry over, and their last names are never revealed. No, nor, like, Silent Bob's real name. I'm assuming it's, um, Quiet Robert, but I don't know. I, <sighs> Quiet Robert is way too close to Quiet Riot. Come on, feel the noise. Yeah. Um, feel it, because you can't hear it, because it is, in fact, silent. As in, Silent Bob. Do you think Quiet Riot was just ahead of the game on the whole, like, silent rave thing that's going on right now? No. No, I don't think that's the case at all. <laughs> the fuck is a silent rave like stop That's if everybody's wearing headphones it would be a perceptively silent rave but everybody partying is having a good time right i i just i don't get it whatever but uh, anyway so clerks 3 will come out at some point in the near future kevin smith has written i think about three different scripts for it and i think this time he says that it's gonna happen but we'll see after coronavirus we don't know we don't know if anything's gonna happen disney world might close we have no idea Oh no, who knows? They might close Disney World. John, if they close Disney World and I find out you have anything to do with it, I will find. I'm not gonna say they had a mouse problem, but they got a mouse problem. 
Actually, Disney World doesn't have a mouse problem because they have a fleet of stray cats that take care of the mice for them. All right, so when I said mouse problem, it's not that they have a problem with mice. It's that the mice there have a problem, and the problem is cats. <laughs> oh, God. I, lo I love your leaps in logic. It's my favorite thing about talks. You call it a leap in logic. I say I, I feel sorry for those mice. I feel sorry for the mice, too. Being eaten by a cat has to be the worst kind. Anyway, to finish off the legacy of this film, other than obviously, it ha I think it has like a 93% on Rotten Tomatoes. It's, it's never like gone down from being critically claimed. And it actually received one of the highest critical acclaims you can get in this country. It was added to the National Film Registry in 2019 for being culturally and aesthetically significant to the United States of America. I, man, when Clarks <laughs> dies and it goes down there to New Jersey heaven, I'm going to be so happy for them. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> I... <laughs> I love this movie, and I love Kevin Smith. I cannot believe this is in the National Registry. I agree. It is shocking. But you know what? There's got to be some other stuff in there that's relevant. Like, they don't say why it's relevant or why it's significant. Right. It's kind of like being inducted to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. It's, you play music. Yeah, congrats. What is rock and roll anyway? It took Nirvana, like two decades to get here exactly and like you know it's just so weird that i think what makes clerks so interesting of a pick is it was actually rated nc-17 before i can't believe i didn't talk about this yeah clerks was actually originally rated nc-17 until pretty much they bullied the mpaa into an r rating that's good now is this with the scene where they shoot dante no this was after that was cut okay and it still got an nc-17 yes for um all of the vulgar language Okay, so they didn't really like them rattling off all the porn type. Probably not. That probably, honestly, that's probably what did. It makes sense. They do it in front of the kid. Well, it was just, that was movie magic. He didn't do it in front of the kid. But then they got another guy to do it in front of the kid. Exactly. So, like, just for being rude and crude. That That is why it got an NC-17 rating. It's gritty. It's real. And it is exactly what happens in New Jersey. Just ask Frank. Let's not ask Frank. Let's not ask him back. He's already on the bus going back to Central Park. Oh, speaking of getting on the bus and going back to Central Park, I think that's probably going to do it for this week. So, John, now that you know the story of Clerks, do you enjoy the film any more or less? I liked the film the whole way through. Uh, it wasn't hard to watch even though it's really unique, you know, it's different from all the other movies out there, I guess. Um, yeah. It, it was a good watch. I liked it. It was a good time. Uh, how it got in the National Registry, I don't know, but it's, it's, it's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people compare watching this movie to, like, watching a, like, a theatrical production. I see that. I see well, a lot of that. Like, because it, it's, it's pretty much just point this camera at this guy talking. And that's how all of Kevin Smith's movies go. They are all like that. So it's almost... People want to consider this movie a mumblecore film, but I don't... I think there's enough breaks in the action to warrant it not being a mumblecore film, but it is mumblecore adjacent. All right, well, we're going to have to get into mumblecore at a later date. <gasps> yeah, yeah, th there's not enough time to go into that, but that was a little tease for you. Uh, if you need to look up what Mumblecore is, go for it. Uh, and that's going to do it for this week. Uh, please uh, like and share us on Facebook. Uh, we'll, we'll give you some cocktail recipes, some memes, and uh, updates on future episodes. Um, please go on to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star rating. Uh, if someone wants to get this to Kevin Smith and uh, tell him I love him, that would be awesome. And uh, that's going to do it for For Your Inflammation. I'm Zach. And I'm John. Go see a new movie this week or uh, watch your favorite movie again. I don't know. Do whatever you got to do. Quarantine's weird. Bye, guys.
So, do you ever eat, like, protein shakes or protein bars? Like, is that a thing that's a part of your diet anymore? Um, not really, but only because I'm not working out the way that I should be. But when I did work out, I did like them. Uh, they Like, also, protein shakes can also be, like, breakfast replacements. So, some, so I used to do that from time to time. Okay. I, uh, I was at the store, like a couple months ago and they had like a blowout clearance on some protein bars that were about to you know go past their sell-by date and i was like oh okay cool let me get some of these so i've been eating them i've been going over them. technically they're expired but i mean it's a protein bar like what the fuck's actually gonna go bad in it like I- right. i'm sure it'll be fine anyway so i mean i'm like they i the same critique that people have about Lacroix not tasting like what it's supposed to taste like should be equally applied to protein bars. Like, oh, what absolutely. they say is it's birthday cake flavored. What they mean is it's like butt sauce and confetti. Like it, it, it definitely tastes like dried up grandma asshole. Like I don't like we're not kidding ourselves. Like you know they don't when you're an adult they don't usually make medicine that tastes good. Like, they don't lie to you. Like, yeah, this medicine's gonna taste like shit when you put it in your mouth. Mm-hmm. Like, a lot of antidepressants actually taste like shit. Right, so you don't gobble them or whatever. Right, right, right. And that, that sometimes that is why. I mean, I, I, actually, I don't know if that's why, but that is a good thought. That might be why. But anyway, so why, why lie with, like, uh, uh, like, and make the nutrition or the protein bars look good? Like, Quest bars are really bad for that. Yeah, the Quest bars, they, it's like lemon meringue, and it's like citrus rolled in flour left on the driveway, and then baked into a toaster strudel. Right, and it, it, like, and they're not good for, like, they have a shit ton of sugar in them. Yeah. So, and and that's really why I stopped eating them, even though they do make some, like, low sugar ones. Mm-hmm. Where it's not as bad, but it's like, if I'm not going to go running, I don't need something with 57 grams of sugar in it. God, 57 grams of... Uh, yeah, what's the point? You know what? I don't even care. I'm just going to eat these, and then I don't think I'm ever going to eat a protein bar again. Like, protein shakes are one thing, you know? Like, right. it's it's just like weird chocolate milk, and you drink it down, you're like, okay, yeah, I know this is like... This isn't supposed to be food, really. This is supposed to be like a protein thing. The bar... Like, it it stands alongside a candy bar, and you're like, okay, so this is just, like, a weird candy bar, right? No. No. It's like, it's... A, it's like a log of dry paste. It, it, like, why can't they make them taste good? Like, I don't understand, like, what about, like, putting, like, packing it full of, like, 97,000 grams of protein? Like, what, what about that makes it so that it has to taste like ass? Like, it I doesn't think, make any sense. I think maybe it's just that the whey protein itself just tastes like brand new Halloween mask. And, like, you're just <laughs> not gonna get it off of there. That I reference that specific flavor so often in life. Like, I, I don't even... It's like, back in, like, middle school or whatever, they'd have, like, the quote-unquote vanilla pudding in the cafeteria that looked like snot. It was just disgusting. Yeah. And it tasted like... Yeah, there's kind of vanilla taste here, but it really just tastes like a latex Halloween mask. That flavor is a similar flavor to the whey protein flavor. I I, I understand what you're saying. I just want to know where you got your criteria and what research you are basing it on. I just, it's the common ingredient in all of these things that taste this way, and it tastes the way the, uh, the back of a Spencer's smells. Okay, yes, I agree. Okay, okay. I get what you're saying. So you're going off the smell of, like, a... 
new Halloween mask or the way the back of Spencer smells. Oh, yeah, I'm not chewing on Halloween masks. Okay, that that's what I was getting at. It's like, I, I, I don't think I ever quite did that, but, like, the smell, especially the smell of it, like, on top of your face. Like, I remember two years in a row I did the masks. I had a Bart Simpson one, and then I had a Jack Skellington one. Ah, nice. Bone daddy. Bone daddy. Bone daddy. Yeah. This was, this was, like, at a time when it was, like, really cool and, like, underground to, like, Nightmare Before Christmas. It oh, wasn't, Jesus. like, it wasn't, like, quite the way it is now. It, or at least it felt that way in middle school. Like, because, like, no one else was talking about it. Hot Topic, like, hadn't quite gotten to the level that they have with the marketing of uh, Nightmare Before Christmas yet. I just, what a strange time to be alive. Like, Mallcore is like a whole thing worthy of its, like, it, it's earned its stripes, I think. It deserves to stand alongside all the other movements, I think. Oh, yeah, 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 for sure. Like, you know, like, mall goths and, like, all, all that shit. Yeah, exactly. That, all that stuff between the years of, like, 2001 and 2011 that happened in the mall. Like, well, that, that deserves its place. Well, yeah, because it was mall goths, and then that quickly turned into scene culture. Yeah. And then, so, like, that's mostly what you and I are familiar with, or, like, the, and, like, the in-between would be, like, the My Chemical Romance era. Yeah, exactly. By the way, they are canceling that tour incrementally, and I'm really worried that they're going to cancel it, and I will not be able to go see them live. So they straight up cancel it, they're not rescheduling? depends like as the year goes on and things are not getting better with the outbreak they're canceling shows like as like in sequence yeah i mean i saw that they i saw they outright canceled their new zealand show yeah i did see that but i haven't been checking because i'm still so fucking bitter that i don't have tickets to my chem yeah oh well i mean it's not i'm not mad about it because i saw them twice when like they were original their original formation but you know whatever yeah not important not what we're here to talk about today not what we're here to talk about today at all <laughs> as per 